Romans chapter 8. It's page 1132 if you're using the Bible there on the chairs. And life is all about perspective. We're finishing up Romans chapter 8 this, this morning. And, um, and as that video clip shows, that life is all about perspective and responding to faith, in faith, to whatever it is uh, that's before us. And this is especially true for Christians uh, because <clears throat> as we look at life, as we've come to Christ and we've experienced this relationship with God, God has changed our, our purpose for why we exist. And with that comes the need for us to have a, a different perspective on life. And the interesting thing is, is in my own life and as I've talked with other Christians and, and met with people, Christians who are going through difficult times, there seems to be uh, an issue in our lives that we, we tend to fight against this new purpose. We have this perspective issue where we want to at times look at life from our perspective and there's times we want to look at it from God's perspective and then there's a, um, usually a frustration or irritation with life and what's going on as we're having that battle. And I think a lot of that comes from, and, um, and I'm going to use a word that we take pretty negatively, but it, it comes from ignorance. And I don't mean that like, like you're ignorant. It's in the, in the true word of just not knowing. We don't know. And really that's on us because we can know if we're willing to take the time to spend with God in his word searching out the Bible, evaluating our circumstances based on what God's Word says, we can ease or lessen that battle we might have between what is God's perspective on our lives and our perspective on our lives and how that plays out in our lives. What I want to do is um, we're going to work through the last uh, eight or nine verses, uh, verses 31 through 39. And I kind of want to do something different. Um, I want to read through these verses and I want to look at how a, a person that might have a self-focused perspective would read these verses and then look at it from a person who would have a God-focused perspective and how they would read these verses. Again, you'll tell me how good that was. <laughs> but it kind of like, you know, it's a little bit different way of maybe looking at this. Um, and maybe some of you will connect with it. I know as I was reading through it, I had to confess sometimes where I'm fighting with God on things. But like we learned on, in, in the first week of this series, we have basically two ways of looking at life as Christians. And that is, we can look at it from a self-focused way, or we can look at it from a God-focused way. We can, or as Paul would say, we can respond in the Spirit, thinking in the Spirit like God, would think, or in the flesh, like we want to. And so we have a self-focused perspective. And as you look at this, what does that look like? And so as you're thinking about your life and the circumstances that you might be going through, the frustrations that you have, the difficulties that you're working through, a self-focused perspective is one that processes life through our view of life and our goals in life. So it's, it's all from us looking out from who we are and what we think. And our goal is happiness, right? I mean, that's what we hear from people. I just want to be happy. I just, in our marriages, I just want to be happy with our kids. I just want to be happy with my job. I just want to be happy, right? We, happiness. 
Which again, happiness is kind of hard to define, really. I mean, I've tried to do that. I've actually asked myself, okay, if I could have life exactly how I want it, what would it look like? In other words, if I could have it and be happy. And it was really kind of hard because I realized that no matter what, whatever I come up with, there's going to be other people involved, and you know they don't think as good as I do, they don't operate as, as well as I do, you know, their goals are messed up, it's all focused on them, you know, it's that kind of stuff, so it messes things up. But really, when we think about it, our goal is, if it's a self-focused, our goal is to get my way in a situation. So if it's in a marriage, I want my way. As long as my spouse does things my way, I'm happy, right? My boss does it my way, I'm happy. The guy driving ahead of me, if he's driving 10 miles over the speed limit, I'm happy. If he's going to speed limit, I'm going around him. Okay, I mean, Kim and I were driving back from, um, from Athens. We were down there for, well, for a week. Kim can tell you a story. We were supposed to be down there for two weeks. We ended up being just for a week. Um, so we were hiding around the Oregon area. Nobody knew it. We saw Diane drown, and we said, you can't tell anybody that you saw us. <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people found out. It's just how it is in churches, you know, whatever. That's okay, gossip. Okay, let's just put it that way. Um, I drive old trucks, and um, so I don't typically go over the speed limit, especially when the speed limit is like 70. So I just put the cruise control at about 65, 66, and I'm just, people, anyways, uh, that's just an unnecessary story that you need to hear. Three, then the obstacles that frustrate us, the obstacles that come along to our happiness, frustrate us, and they need to be removed. We don't want them. They're not good for our happiness. And then, as we learned in week one, this mindset, this focus, this perspective, it actually brings further frustration and damage to our lives and the lives of those around us in our relationships. A God-focused perspective, however, it processes life through how God views it and His goal for me. Now again, this is a huge perspective change that Christians need to understand, commit to, grab hold of, because without this, life is one frustration after another. And again, I'm, I'm preaching to myself as I'm preaching to you guys. God's goal, we learned about this last week, Pastor Kevin was talking about it, is for me to think and respond more like Jesus. To be conformed to the image of Christ means I'm going to think like and respond like Jesus Christ, to the situations and the frustrations and the hurtful times and all that that goes on in my life. The obstacles, then, are opportunities for growth toward the goal. So we're in a self-focused life. We're like, I don't want this. I've got to get this out of my life. I'm going to get rid of, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to get rid of my spouse. I'm going to get rid of my uh, job. I'm going to get rid of my friends. I mean, whatever it is, we're going to get rid of them if they're keeping us from being happy. In a God-focused perspective, we're saying, okay, not really enjoying the situation, but I know God's got something in store for me, and that is for me to become more like Jesus Christ. So it's actually, in that weird way, a good thing for me to be going through. It's okay for me to go through. For those of you who are athletes, or those that are uh, musical, and you, you, know, you remember sitting, I remember for like five years, 
um, practices or five lessons sitting at a piano. Ding, 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 ding. Learning the piano. Okay? Just dinking around. Just ding, 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 ding. I hated it. But I would have, if I wanted to be a good piano player, I would have had to go through that discipline. Some of you guys who are athletes, you understand. Your coach would tell you to go do some of the craziest thing, the hardest thing to do, hot days, all that kind of stuff. But it was necessary to be better at what you're doing. The difficult times we go through as Christians, God's using and their opportunities for growth. As we learned from week one, operating this way brings life and healing and peace into our life and into the lives of those around us. So it's huge for us to understand the perspectives and choose to do it God's way. So again, like I said, I'm going to do something a little different, something I haven't done before. I just want to work through this passage and then looking at what a a self-focused perspective would maybe say about these and uh, what a a God-focused perspective. So the first few verses, so Paul's, Paul's just ending things up here. He's uh, wrapping it up, giving some summary statements. He's going to be changing his topic in chapter 9. And he says, what should we say about, to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And so a self-focused perspective will look at this and look at their life and say, what things? What are you, what's he talking about here? Look at my life. All those things that are against me. Life has gotten more difficult now. I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I, I came to know the Lord when I was four years old, so there was not so much to you know, look at my life before and <laughs> my life after. Because, uh, again, I was perfect until I was four. Um, but the... Uh, if you talk to some people who came to Christ later on in their life, I think a lot of them would say, you know, life didn't actually get easier when I came to Christ. It actually got a little bit more difficult. Well, a self-focused per- person, Christian, would be like, my life has gotten far more difficult. What's the next slide here we got, Greg? A, God's foc- a God-focused perspective says, what things? Everything that God has given me. Those are the things we've been talking about. He's actually been talking about all through Romans 1 through 8. But specifically in chapter 8, man, our salvation, the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he comes in and he, uh, he gives us the strength to do life God's way. So when we can't do it, he does it. He adopts us into God's family. He's the one who makes that adoption happen. So we are secure in that relationship. Um, he, he prays for us. And so when we're not even sure what we should be praying for, the Holy Spirit is praying for us on our behalf. We're becoming more like Jesus like we're talking about. And in, in that, we're drawing people to Christ for salvation. Listen, you guys, this is one area, I've said this before, this is one area we need to really grab hold of as well. Becoming more like Jesus means we become more like Jesus. Okay, so the reason why Jesus came to earth was to, as I summarize it, live an obedient life that glorifies God, that makes God look good, in order to draw people to him for salvation. Now, Jesus did the hard work. Jesus was the one who died on our behalf to make that salvation possible. 
But when we become Christians, Christ ones, followers of Jesus, we become people who are now becoming more and more like Jesus so that we can draw people to Christ for salvation. If we're not concerned about the people in our lives who don't know Christ, if we're not praying for them, if we're not looking for ways that we can intentionally build a relationship with them, if we're not actively searching for ways that we can sit down and have a conversation with them to find out more about who they are, what their needs are, and tell them about how God can meet those needs and how they can come into a relationship with him, then no matter what we might do as a Christian, we're not fully following Jesus Christ. If we're not fully following Jesus Christ, we're not going to experience the life that God has for us, and not, we're not going to experience the depth of relationship, the intimacy of relationship with him. Um, there's a bunch of verses I was going to throw in in this, but we would have been here for like three hours, and so I didn't want to do that to you. Uh, go ahead and go back. <clears throat> So, so everything in life, then, is an opportunity for me to show this to others. So God has freely given us everything we need. See, the first century church, they were going through some difficult times. They were, especially in Rome, they're the ones who were experiencing persecution Maybe like no other. They were being arrested. They were being uh, jailed. Some were being put up on torches, as torches in Nero's garden, being burned to death for their faith. They could easily look at what Paul is saying here and go, what do you mean? Freely giving me all things? What do I got? If their perspective was their happiness, getting life the way they wanted. But if their perspective is God-focused, they would have seen that well, as Jesus hung on the cross for my sins and died for me, I can actually emulate that in my life by going through the suffering that I'm going through in a way that represents God well, which will draw people and say, man, how did you do that? How did you work through that difficult time? Well, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about what God does in my life and has done in my life. I know maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling you know, harassed by life or by people or disrespected. You know, maybe you're dealing with some frustrating uh, health issues or just, uh, I know some of you guys are, have not only health issues in your own life, but health issues in your family's life and, and you're dealing with all that and being the one responsible to carry it. Maybe feeling unappreciated. What's your perspective on what you're going through? What is your perspective on what it is that God is allowing you to go through? My challenge for you is to understand what Paul has been talking about, certainly in chapter 8, but obviously in the whole Scripture. And the only way that happens is if you're willing to take the time to be in the Word, to know what it says, and then take a step of faith, and apply it. 33 and 34 says this, Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who, is, who also intercedes for us. 
So a self-focused perspective would be like, what do you mean who can bring a charge against me? What do you mean who can condemn? Everybody is. You know, I've got constantly people telling me all the things I'm doing wrong. And I'm not being the right husband. I'm not being the right wife. I'm not being the best parent. I'm not being the best child. I'm not being a good worker. I'm not being a good family member. I've got people all the time condemning me. I got people all the time accusing me of doing things that really I'm not even trying to do. The first century Christians were accused of some of the most grotesque things because people didn't understand who they were. They were being arrested for crimes against the state because they were worshiping a different king than the emperor. They were being accused of incense, that they were incest, that they were marrying. Brothers and sisters were marrying together. Why? Because they called each other brother and sister. Which, you know, maybe we should consider not you know, calling each other brother and sister. I'm just saying, just in case it gets out and people may start asking that about us. They, they uh, were accused of being cannibals because they, they drank the blood and ate the flesh of Jesus Christ and they realized, well, Jesus Christ is no longer... So they must sacrifice somebody. Grotesque Stuff that just, how can people believe it? Well, back in the day, they can believe it. There are things that people believe about Christians today that are not true. And so as Christians, we might read that and say, you don't realize all the accusations that people make about me, whether it's at work or in our home. Maybe it's even our own perspective. You know, maybe it's our past experiences, our past choices, the sin that was in our life. Maybe as we try to live for Christ, those things keep coming up. We're, we're constantly being reminded, maybe by others, maybe but from our own hearts and minds, that, oh, I'm just not good enough. God doesn't really love me. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I can't seem to do things right. I can't think, seem to do things God's way. I've never, I didn't amount to anything when I was a kid. I'm not amounting, amounting to anything now as an adult. Whatever the case, we have people accusing us. We have people condemning us. But a God-focused perspective realizes this is not God judging me. So, so, uh, a person who doesn't really understand their faith may look at it and say, God's judging me. For my past sin. We've got to understand something. What this verse is telling us is that Jesus took the judgment for us. Past, present, and future sin. Jesus took it. You couldn't have taken it any more than Jesus took it. He took it and he died the eternal death for you and for me. God's not judging us by the circumstances that we're experiencing in our lives. Now, some of the circumstances, circumstances might have been because of choices we made. And if those are sinful choices, we need to confess that, repent of it, and move in the direction that God wants us to move. We're still going to have to deal with the consequences, but here's the cool thing. As Kevin was talking about it last week, those consequences of our sin, God can then take those and turn them out for good. God can take those and use them to grow us, to become more like Christ, and help other people be drawn to Christ. I was talking with someone just this week who's going through uh, an issue in their life and bummed out about it. And, uh, and I'm just like, hey, listen, 
I know you're bummed, and I get it. Be bummed. Confess it. Repent. In other words, stop doing what you've been doing. And let God use that. Now you can identify with other people who have gone through the same thing or, or are going through the same thing, and you can tell them, here's how God helped me through that. If you're taking notes, 2 uh, Peter uh, 1, 3, and 4, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, write that down because he talks about that. He declared me not guilty. We've been justified. Justified means you are not guilty. God is declaring you. Somebody may say you're guilty. You, you may even tell yourself you're guilty, but God is saying you're not guilty. If you've put your faith in Christ and you received his forgiveness, and you did when you did that, God's saying you are not guilty of your sin, past, present, and future. Jesus took our condemnation, our judgment. And then he represents me before God as my lawyer. He talks about here, he intercedes for us. So the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Jesus, who's sitting at the seat of authority and power next to God the Father, he's interceding. John talks about him as our lawyer. He's our advocate. Satan tries to accuse us, Scripture says. But Jesus is standing there going, he's got nothing because I've taken it all. And that's freely given to us through faith. Then 35 through 39. says this, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, and he goes back to Psalms, and again, just as a reminder, this is not him yelling at us because he's in capital letters. This is going back to the Old Testament, okay? So, uh, Psalm 22. It says, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to, the, to, uh, to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing. I think he pretty much covered everything. Paul's really good at long sentences, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I just want to make two points before I get to this perspective. In the first list, it's as if Paul is, is talking about um, kind of the, the physical experiences that they're having, the, the known struggles of life. And in the first century, they had all these things listed, right? Now, we don't Thank the Lord. We don't have the persecution yet in our country that they were experiencing. But the distress, that's kind of stress, the stress of life, the difficulties, tribulations are, are difficulties that we face in life. You know, we get that, right? We get the tribulations. We get the distress. We may not have the sword. Uh, we may not have the persecution. But these known things... Paul is saying, these won't separate us from the love of Christ. And then the second list is, as I was kind of looking at, it's kind of like the unknown, right? It's, it's the unknown things of life in the sense of what's, you know, what's in the future, what's going to happen even today in the present, but we don't know when we walk out this building what's going to happen. Or the unknown of the spiritual world. He talks about principalities and angels and that kind of thing. So not even those things that are unknown to us. There is nothing that will separate us from the love of Christ. Now, a self-focused Christian's perspective might be this. 
my difficulties are the result of Jesus rejecting me and me losing my salvation. I've talked to people like that. And it is sad. It's sad because of the fear that they live in. The, the fear that if they might do something during the day that they never, they, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe I did something, I screw up, and if I die tonight and I didn't get that confessed, nothing separates us. We've been justified by God. We've been declared not guilty. We have God's Holy Spirit residing in us as the one who's adopted us into his family. He's not going to kick us out. He's going to encourage us to get our lives straightened out if we're making poor choices, but he's not going to kick us out of his family. What we're going through is not a thing where God is removing our salvation. We can't be separated from our love of Christ. And the love of Christ is really saying there is, is our salvation. So, he's not rejecting us. He's not, we're not losing our salvation. And again, I think one of the things that happens here is just a, a point of ignorance. It's a point of... Here, here's what happens a lot of times in, in churches. Um, I won't say a lot of times. There are times in churches person hears the gospel, they're drawn to it, they accept it. And this happens, by the way, not just somebody right away, but someone who's come to Christ and been a Christian for a long time. And they get into kind of the, the Christian thing, you know what I'm saying? So they start coming to church, you know, not every Sunday, but enough. They figure, well, if I do this enough, God will be good with that. And, and then they, oh, you know, maybe I'll read a devotional um, during the week from time to time, let somebody else tell me what the Bible's saying. Um, but they, and so what they do is they kind of catch a few things. And it's like me with a computer. I know just enough to blow up my computer. So I, I really try not to mess with computers other than, you know, type on them. And so this Christian who has put their faith in Christ but have never really developed a relationship with him in that sense know enough to blow up their life, to be fearful of things that are not to be afraid of. So Paul was talking about earlier. We don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of relationship with God. We can call him Abba, Father. But do we? Do we sit and spend time reading his word and having a conversation with him about what we're reading? Do we call, literally call him Abba? You know, I've forced myself to do that because to me, that's a little, you know, when I was a little kid, I liked to go hang out with my dad, pop up on his lap, you know, that kind of thing. When I get older, I didn't really, you know, I don't do that. I'll crush him anymore. But so, I, you know, but I really, I forced myself to really understand, okay, there's a relationship here. This isn't just a Sunday thing. And so a person who, who has some sort of Christian thinking has a tendency, sadly, to go down roads that are not accurate, and therefore they don't find the joy and the excitement and, and what all that God desires to have for them. But a, a God-focused perspective, nothing can separate me from Christ and his, and his saving me. I overwhelmingly, sorry, I overwhelmingly conquer because everything, get this, everything in my life, God will use to make me think more like and act more like Jesus Christ so I can draw other people to him. I overwhelmingly conquer because of Jesus Christ. 
Nothing comes my way in that sense that's even a negative for me. I may not like it. I may be thinking, you know, Lord, if you want to teach me a few things about what I need to learn about you, maybe there's some other ways that we could have gone. You know, I'm always willing to give him advice. But he knows what's best for me. Listen, he knows, in fact, if you look at it this way, someone once told me this, so if you don't like this point, it's not mine, I'm taking it from somebody else. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, God's allowing you to go through it because there's something in it for you to learn about him, about yourself, and about you becoming more like him. So nothing in that sense is a negative. And God is not judging us. Again, he may be disciplining us to get us back on track, but he's not judging us. We still are his child. He still wants us, and he's working for us to become more like Jesus Christ because there's people in our lives who need to know him. Obviously, we want to know God more intimately every day, right? I mean, he died for us. Why wouldn't we want to get to know him deeply, intimately? And, and how, was, how does he want to work in my life? And then, of course, to see people come to Christ. That's why we overwhelmingly conquer because God Christ and the Holy Spirit, God, has done it all. And it's all freely given to us if we'll just grab hold of it in our lives. So what's our takeaway? It's just really simple. Pursue God. How's that? That's a pretty easy takeaway, right? You write that down, underline it, circle it, you know, highlight it if you've got a highlighter. If you have a highlighter, I'd be concerned about you in church having a highlighter. Pursue God. And what I mean by that is this. Determine to spend time with him in his word. Let him change your perspective. Listen, you guys, I don't care how long we live, we're always going to be finding that we are, we are still fighting our self-focused perceptions. Okay? Our perspectives. We're always going to be because we're sinners. And God is continually working in us to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. So, so you know, for what, or if this is good news or bad news to you, the news is we're always, he's always going to show us different ways where we're not quite lining up with where he wants us to be. But the way we do that is we don't just kind of take church in from time to time. We don't just kind of maybe do a Bible study here, a Bible study there, a devotional here. We, we lock in with what God has given us, all that he's given us, his word, the Holy Spirit teaching us His Word, us in conversation back with Him, His church family, because there's people who are going through things in our church right now who need other people to come around them. Let me just tell you really quick stories. I won't tell you who did it, uh, because I know they wouldn't want me to do that. Diane Drown's uh, mom has had some... No, no, she, she doesn't mind me saying it. It's the person who's done something nice for her. So Diane Drown's mom is in Bellevue, and has had some health issues and struggles. And so Diane has been having to go down to Bellevue. Somebody in our church knows Diane, has been praying for, cares about her. Diane's down at the hospital or the nursing home, I can't remember what it was, but they said, hey, there's somebody here to see you. Now, I don't know how far Bellevue is from here. What, an hour? Hour and a half? Long drive. How about what? Hour 10, because you guys drive it all the time. That's right, hour 10. 
So I know this person does a speed limit, so probably more like an hour 30. Just saying. <laughs> Hope it didn't embarrass you. She walked, Diane walks out, it's somebody from our church who lives up here who decided I'm going to go down and give him a little cure package. That's awesome. Listen, we need our church family. You guys need, you're here, so you don't need to hear this, but anybody who's not here, you need to be telling them this. If you're listening on a podcast or Facebook, you need to be, we need each other. We need to be here with each other. When we're in town, we need to be at church. I said that because I wasn't in town the last couple of weeks, and I want to make sure no, no, you weren't here. I was here in spirit. <laughs> Point two, determine to evaluate your struggles. And ask this question, how is God using this situation to make me more like Jesus and draw others to him? I, I think that's just a great way of looking at the difficult, when you start going through a difficult time, ask that question of God. Get into his word and let him begin to show you what's going on there, and why that's happening. All right? It's all a good plan? Sound good? Well, we're going to close the service with, uh, with communion. We're going to celebrate.